0: Hello, I'm Neil Aitchison and welcome to Warwick Podcasts. Plans to update legislation to expand the scope of embryo research has sparked controversy as it would allow very early stage hybrid human-animal embryos to be created for research. The new law would permit scientists to combine material from animals with human material in the same cell to grow embryonic stem cells. Scientists want to do this to overcome a shortage in embryonic stem cells that would then be used in research for incurable diseases. Professor Justin Singen, a member of the Mitochondrial and Reproductive Genetics Group in the Clinical Sciences Research Institute, explains the proposed work of his team in this area, what will result and what benefits for medical research there could be. Well, Justin, first of all, perhaps you can uh, explain what the difficulty, what the problem is at the moment with um, the production and continuing production of uh, embryonic stem cells and how your sort of
1: work and your technique is planning to overcome that. Sure. Um, Most of the embryonic stem cells which are produced these days are from spare IVF embryos which patients donate after they've had infertility treatment. And we can use these embryos in order to make stem cells. However, the big need for stem cells these days is to understand specific diseases, especially those diseases where we don't have any real models to understand these diseases. So one way of doing this is to actually take a cell, perhaps from the back of the ear, of a patient who has a specific genetic disease and introduce this cell into an egg which has had its chromosomes removed. So basically you're swapping chromosomes for chromosomes here. But the big problem at the moment is that this technology is not very well refined and we need to do a considerable amount of research to understand how these mechanisms will work in order to make the embryos we want. And of course there are not very many um, females or there are not very many patients uh, patients at IVF clinics who are prepared quite rightly to donate their eggs for generating embryonic stem cells especially when they need their eggs for their own IVF purposes So there's a a basic, a short supply of the material that you need to to carry out the research? Absolutely, yes so a group of us um, in the UK and also in other countries in the world have thought about how we could perhaps um, take this process further forward by using eggs from another species, for example from rabbits or pigs or cows or sheep possibly. But this causes a quandary for many people because we are beginning to mix genetic materials from two different species together.
0: Perhaps you can just explain what your technique involves and perhaps you can just explain the the current method uh, at the moment of producing uh, embryonic stem cells for research uh, and how your sort of
1: method sort of differs from that. So if we want to make um, embryonic stem cells which would model a disease or give us information about some of the very... Uh, some the very severe genetic diseases which are present such as Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, some heart type diseases which we don't at the moment have proper therapies for and drug companies can't really test their drugs on because they don't have the appropriate cells or tissues to test these drugs or therapies on. We need models to help us um, understand the mechanisms of these diseases and one way of doing this is to take the cell, a cell from a patient who has one of these diseases, and introduce it into an egg which has had its uh, chromosomal genetic material removed. okay, And allow that cell to develop within that egg. And you can activate that egg and make Um, stem cell, uh, make an embryo and then make stem cells from it. So once you've introduced the cell into the egg and you've activated it, activated it, that egg will develop into an embryo in a very similar manner as an IVF embryo would. The difference here is that we're introducing a cell from a patient who has a specific disease into the egg, as opposed to a sperm swimming along, binding to the egg, penetrating the egg, and then fertilizing the egg. Okay, so it's only the first, initial. It's, it's the only the initial step, which we're really changing here. Now, the reason for introducing the cell into the egg is that the cell we're introducing in might be, for example, a skin cell. Now that skin cell is programmed to behave in a specific manner. It provides the tissue with the characteristics of the skin through these cells and through the way the genes are regulated. But what we need to do is to make that cell non-specific. And there are factors which are in the egg which enable that cell to unravel all of its programming so that it behaves in a totally non-programmed way in other words it can then have the ability once the embryo expands and we take part isolate part of that embryo to differentiate into any cells of the body just as we would with an IVF embryo so
0: you you can sort of replicate uh, this uh, Genetic malfunction uh, within, uh, and then sort of uh, analyze and test it right. uh, and uh, conduct your research into Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or something of like that order.
1: Absolutely. So, for example, a group in China were the first to do this, and they took a cell from um, a human and introduced it, a skin cell from a human, and introduced it into a rabbit egg and they were able to make several embryonic stem cell lines this way. Now, once we have our population of embryonic stem cells, we can induce those embryonic stem cells to become neurons, or they can become skin cells again, or they can become um, heart cells, or they can become muscle cells, or they can become um, pancreatic Beta islet cells, those are the cells which are very important in generating insulin for diabetes, so that we don't have. the, we don't have the phenotype of diabetes and things like that.
0: Uh, and the, so the problem here is the supply of the sort of basic material. That, right. Uh, uh, and the, the basic material from uh, actual embryos is a sort of difficult to get hold of, uh, and there is a, a very sort of limited supply of that.
1: Right. Uh, so and the and limited supply. So the limited supply are the human eggs. Right? So. The main source of human eggs would be from IVF clinics. And many of us feel it would be very unfair to ask women to donate their eggs when they really need it for their own reproductive purposes. Right? The reason they attend these clinics is because they need, uh, they need to have things like artificial insemination or IVF. Um, carried out so they can actually start their own families or continue their families. So it would be very unfair to suggest that they give some of their eggs when they're desperately needed for their own family purposes. The other way of doing this might be um, to ask women who are young to donate their eggs um, purely for research purposes. But then this becomes a cloudy area because we're paying people for their gametes. And also, we're asking women to um, undergo hyperstimulation protocols, which require them to go on a, a fairly intensive drug regime for a period of time in order that they would produce 10 to 20 eggs per once menstrual cycle. So we believe because there is an abundance of spare ovaries, which are present in the slaughterhouses after animals have been sacrificed for the food chain. Um, these ovaries would normally be discarded and our proposition as um, as and uh, as the Chinese group did themselves was they took spare animal eggs, cultured these, took out the chromosomal material and then introduced the human cell into that egg, then they activated it, generated uh, an embryo which they took to the final stages before an embryo would be able to implant into the female. And they took out those, they took out a small area of the embryo which is called the inner cell mass. They put that on a culture plate and then colonies started to grow and these were the embryonic stem cells, okay? And then they have the power to differentiate into any cell types of the body. Now what we would like to do is to take a cell from a patient who has a severe heart type of disease, introduce it into a pig egg. And the reason we chose the pig is because we think that's the best vehicle to propagate the genetic material that we want to look at. Um, And then once we have our population of undifferentiated embryonic stem cells we will induce these cells to become cardiomyocytes or cells which are precursors to becoming heart cells and then we can look at the mechanisms of um, the genetic fault in these cells. How does that genetic fault affect that cell's ability to function normally as a cardiomyocyte. In other words, does that cell beat normally when it's on its culture plate? Does it have the rhythm that you expect a cardiomyocyte to produce in a normal functioning heart? And when is it during the stages of development, as that cell differentiates and becomes a mature heart cell, when is the real impact of that mutation? Is it early on in the development, or is it later on? And if we can work out some of these steps, then we can help the drug companies develop new drugs. They will know when they will need to target um, the the patient with their drug early on in life, later on in life, when the phenotype becomes more prevalent. And we might also realize, well, actually, it's these specific cells which we should perhaps transplant later on into a patient in order that they can... they can have normal functioning tissues later on.
0: So you've possibly got a means to tackling a a whole range of currently incurable diseases.
1: It's potentially so, yes. Uh,
0: uh, And just to go over the sort of detail there, and this is the really particular detail Mm -hmm. of what we're doing with these two uh, different cells. So we've got uh, an animal uh, cell that you basically uh, take the innards out of Uh, but there were still some remaining elements of the animal cell and you introduce the genetically defective human cell into that uh, animal cell right. and then culture it till you create a, an embryonic stem cell. Is that a problem then that, uh, that you've now got human and pig or sheep uh, uh, elements within the same cell?
1: Okay, it's not a problem in terms of reprogramming the donor cell to become undifferentiated. And we think that's probably the power, that the the pig egg will be able to de-differentiate that skin cell. We think the problem is that there are small little bodies within the egg which are called mitochondria. And they have their own populations of genetic material or DNA within them. Now, in order that the mitochondria or in order that a cell can function properly its mitochondria must function properly because the mitochondria provide the cell with its energy um, and there's a special apparatus within the cell which is called the electron transport chain which is responsible for generating the vast majority of a cell's energy however it requires proteins which are um, uh, encoded by the DNA of a nucleus and it also requires some of the proteins which are on the DNA within the mitochondrion itself. And there's a certain amount of, ev- well quite a lot of evidence which suggests that the DNA in the cytoplasm, in the, in the mitochondria, must be compatible to the DNA in the nucleus. So they must be very very closely related. And the more so
0: this wouldn't work this uh, having your human and your uh, within a, an animal cell
1: right it would it would work if you supported these cells metabolically with special substrates, right. okay, but if you were to put them into um, a, if you were to ask them to perform like real neurons or real cardiomyocytes it's likely that they would not perform very well because when we When our two populations of uh, genetic material become more and more genetically diverse, so they're not closely related, they produce less and less ATP.
0: ATP uh, is. is
1: the energy of, is the molecule of life, okay? So ATP is a ubiquitous molecule within all cells. And if the cell does not have ATP, the cells shrink, the tissues shrink, and our bodies don't function normally. So we think that we can actually modify the mito, the DNA and the mitochondrial DNA because we have a technique which will allow us to remove almost all of the pig mitochondrial DNA and then when we perform the process of nuclear transfer where we transfer this cell from the patient with the genetic disease into the pig egg we will also transfer in human mitochondrial DNA in the hope that we can then make a truly genetically, um, uh, we can make a human-only embryonic stem cell line.
0: So you effectively take out all of the animal material? As much as possible.
1: At the moment, we can remove about 90% of this um, animal mitochondrial DNA. But we reckon within the next couple of months we will be able to um, remove all of it.
0: Uh, and the license that you were applying for uh, to the uh, Human Fertilisation and Embryonic Authority mm-hmm. uh, is to sort of do what then? Is to do the sort of first stage of that?
1: Yes, so um, we've been modelling this in a um, mouse pig system over the last year or so, and we've had a certain amount of success and now what we want to do is to do exactly the same to take pig eggs to deplete them as much as possible of their pig mitochondrial DNA uh, during what we call in vitro maturation that's when the egg is preparing itself ready for the process of fertilization but instead of fertilizing that egg we will remove the chromosomes from that egg and then we will inject in a cell from a human patient with a genetic fault for heart disease and we will add in human mitochondrial DNA or human mitochondria with the mitochondrial DNA package within the mitochondria and then we will activate that egg and let it divide and then when it gets to the final stage of pre-implantation development, before it can actually implant in, it could feasibly implant into a woman, we would then take the material uh, which gives rise to the embryonic stem cells, the inner cell mass, and we would put that material onto a culture plate, onto another culture plate, and allow the cells to proliferate. And then we would screen these cells to see how genetically pure they were as human embryonic stem cells.
0: And you were saying at the moment that we, you've got it down to a process that uh, y- you can eradicate nearly all of the animal material, yeah. but uh, that still means then that in some way you are sort of crossing human with uh, sheep or pig uh, ma- material. Right.
1: That, so that must be th- a concern. Right. So what we believe, and from our preliminary experiments in the mouse and pig system, is that actually the 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 animal mitochondrial DNA which is present, the limited amount of animal mitochondrial DNA which is present as we perform the injection um, or the transfer of a donor cell and the, um, hum- and the mouse mitochondrial DNA um, is actually eliminated by the time we get to the final stage of pre-implantation development and also what's very important to remember is that the reprogramming factors which are present in the egg cytoplasm and all the machinery which will drive the division of a cell and making new proteins will become human by the time we've got halfway through the process so that in fact we're only using the egg as the pig egg as a surrogate vehicle for the first few stages of embryonic division okay when we're producing we're going from a one cell stage to a two cell stage to a four cell stage and we believe that at around the four to the eight cell stage which is around just before halfway in development of the this early embryo that there will be a massive switch to where all the proteins generated will be human. And by the time you get to blastocysts, we believe that the whole of this entity will then be human and there will be no animal material around, apart from the shell around the outside of the embryo, but that will be discarded at that stage. Uh, And what sort of breakthrough is that then?
0: That that is a a a world first to do that?
1: Once we have done this, this will be a world first because no other group will have done that. We just need to make sure that we are the first to bring this to fruition.
0: And you need the sort of license uh, to be able to experiment to try and move forward Mm.
1: to do that? Absolutely. There's been a debate going on in Parliament and also amongst the, um, uh, within the media and also the general public for about a year to 18 months to decide whether we should actually carry out this sort of work in the UK and now it seems to be that the human fertilization and embryology authority seems to support this work by um, it's already uh... given approval for two groups to do similar type of work but they're not interested in modifying the mitochondrial DNA content and the house of lords recently voted very much in favor of this work in the new bill which is passing through parliament so, uh... We need a license in order to do that, and we believe it's appropriate that we do this under a license because then the whole process is far more transparent. Our work is reviewed by um, our peers. Uh, the information which, the the approaches that we want to use experimentally are described very briefly on the human fertilization and embryology um, website. So there's a much more of a transparent approach than if these regulations weren't in Uh, uh, weren't in place. What sort of step forward then uh,
0: would be this technique if you're able to successfully do it? You you then solve this problem of having a a lack of material to produce embryonic stem cells. Right,
1: so we would understand a lot about the biological processes which would be involved in making embryonic stem cells, and we would be able to, uh, in terms of the pure embryology work, um, we would also be able to offer cells to pharmaceutical com- companies so they could test their drugs and uh, develop new therapies. Now, if we can understand all of the problems which are involved with reprogramming of that adult cell or that cell we're introducing into the egg, then, and we can improve the efficiencies, then it might be feasible to start to recruit human eggs in order that we could make patient specific embryonic stem cells or we could make human human embryonic stem cells without having to involve animal eggs at that stage so we can take the processes either, either way so some groups would because of their beliefs or whatever would have objections to using animal material and we understand that but in order to limit the amount of human Eggs that we would need to use at the moment, we would use an. The ideas are to use animal eggs first, and understand all the biological mechanisms in reprogramming this cell, which we want to uh, to use for stem cell therapy, perhaps later in the future, and then move to using putting cells like that into a limited number of. Um, human eggs so that these cells could perhaps be used for therapeutic purposes in the future. You create,
0: it could be really an unending supply of this base material that you need to
1: create embryonic stem cells. Right, exactly. So we understand very little about some of the molecular and cellular mechanisms associated with diseases like Alzheimer's, um, heart disease, Parkinson's disease. So we need to make cell lines where we can understand where the genetic fault really has its major impact. We can't go into people's brains and take out cells and culture those cells um, in in the hope that we can try and understand these mechanisms which lead to the onset of these diseases. There are no animal models available for some of these diseases. So really, scientists, the drug companies, and people who want to provide therapies for these diseases are really working with their hands behind their backs at the moment. And I think this is a marvelous opportunity in order to provide those scientists and ourselves with the material in which we can understand some of these mechanisms and if we can understand these mechanisms then the experts who can devise the drugs to or can uh, perform genetic engineering or provide gene therapy can then start to solve some of these problems and provide the appropriate therapies for their patients if we have the intellect and we have the skills to try and provide therapies for these people and we have um, technologies which are there the fact that we need to use an animal egg to understand some of these mechanisms early on I think outweighs the fact that we can uh, we're doing something extremely immoral here I think that uh, as scientists we have a responsibility to help and provide cures for people who are suffering from very severe ailments What step forward in in this field will it be? We will be able to produce more of these embryos from which we can derive stem cells from then hopefully we will be able to provide more and more stem cell lines for other um, groups who are interested in specific diseases to work with so um, the Medical Research Council in the UK Has a central deposit which is called the UK Stem Cell Bank, which any human embryonic stem cell line that has been derived must be deposited in there and any research group within the UK and other in other countries can then ask to have access to that material in order to carry out scientific work. So we're really contributing to a central repository for which scientists can have access to in order to carry out their experiments and to help understand some of the other problems associated with human disease.